I want to turn now to the book of Acts, looking in chapter 8. My, my dad, I remember at the very first service of the year, he said that um, uh, being a better evangelist was one of uh, his goals for the church this year, and that convicted me because I definitely struggle in that, uh, in that area. Um, and then I thought about Acts chapter 4, where it said those who are teaching, those who are coming before the congregation to give, um, to, to preach or to teach, they're to be equippers. And so I thought, well, in this case, we need to go to the expert in evangelism. Obviously, the, the real expert is, is Jesus Christ. But um, Philip in Acts chapter 8, I think we can definitely classify him as an expert. So the, the next few times I preach on Wednesday nights, I want to speak on this topic of evangelism and all focusing on Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. So the evangelism of the Ethiopian eunuch by Philip is covered in Acts chapter 8, and it begins in verse 26, and then it goes through the end of that chapter, which is in verse 40. Now, uh, over the next few Wednesday is probably that I've talked, which may not obviously be next Wednesday, but um, may take me two times to get through this, but I want to look at it under um, five or six headings, but don't freak out because I only want to look at two tonight. Um, Evangelism 101 is my title, and the text for tonight is Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 29. But let's go ahead and just read the whole passage starting in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, and going through the end of that chapter, and we'll look at the passage that talks about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, specifically how Philip evangelizes the Ethiopian eunuch, beginning in Acts 8, 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down, from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And Philip arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, and eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of Ethiopia, who had charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot and read Isaiah, or Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said unto him, Understandest thou what thou readest? And the eunuch said, How can I, except some man guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shear, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And of course we know that was Isaiah 53, 7 and 8. And the eunuch answered Philip, it's now Acts 8.34, the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, uh, of, whom speakest, of whom speakest the prophet? This of himself? No, I pray thee, of whom speakest the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him. And as they went on their way, 
they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, I take he there being the eunuch, and he went down, they rather went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and uh, Philip baptized the eunuch. And when they were come out up of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Evangelism 101. Tonight, just looking at verses 26 through 29. So the first thing we see in verse 26 is obedience-driven action. Look at verse 26, Acts 28. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. So we see the angel of the Lord, he's speaking to Philip. That's amazing. God's angel is speaking to Philip, a message. But notice what Philip does, obedience-driven action. He arose and went, to use the wording of the hymn writer John Matthias in Palms of Victory, he stopped his ears and ran. So maybe Philip was not planning to go to the desert that day. Maybe he had plans to go somewhere else. You know? So maybe obedience-driven action requires a change of plans. Like, God, I wasn't going to the desert. I was going to the grocery store. Maybe I was going to um, go somewhere that wasn't a desert. <laughs> but for us, it could be as simple as going out of our way to reach out to a lost family member um, who doesn't know Christ. It could be as simple as uh, spending a little extra time in the office of a workmate who is lost, right? Because if 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 says, but if our gospel be hid, it's hid from them that are lost, they're unsaved, they don't know Christ. So we could be going to desert place, but for us, that could just be a, it could be going out of your way in the sense of sending a text, doing, placing a phone call, or just visiting with a person that you wouldn't normally go to. And now, in a more literal sense, the desert place could be um, a foreign country, that people do that, you know, I know that. Um, two years ago, I got to go to India on a mission trip. Uh, I know Lindsay and Corey Hughes spent about five or six years in, um, in the Bahamas uh, evangelizing. But uh, Josh Winslet at twenty seven seventeen made a great point that the mission field is here. I, he said there was, he gave a staggering number for the percentage of Americans that are unchurched. I can't remember the exact figure. You can go back and listen to the sermons. sermon. Um, it was called Get Off the Sidelines. Uh, Elder Josh Winslet did an incredible job just talking about how the mission field is here. There's lost people all over America that need the gospel, and so obedience-driven action is needed, not just in the Bahamas or India, but in Rankin County, in Hines County, in Madison County, in Flowood, Jackson, Pearl, and Ridgeland. So, obviously, a lot of wisdom in the sermon is needed at when to veer off of your 
plants and go to a desert place or um, whatever that desert place may look like. It may be as simple as it takes. It may be as big as moving to a foreign country. And wisdom and discernment is needed on what God is calling us to do. But we know that when we see Philip here beginning his mission to evangelize, it starts with obedience-driven action, which required a change of plans because he was called to go into the desert. But when he was called, he arose and went. So obedience-driven action. And then look at verse 27. Philip arose and went. There's the obedience-driven action. He arose and went to the desert. And behold, the angel of the Lord wasn't just kidding around or, or you know, full of it. <laughs> There's a person there. There's a man of Ethiopia. Specifically, he's a eunuch of great authority. He is under Candace, um, who's the queen of Ethiopia. And it says that he had charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem notice this, for to worship. And he was returning and he was, was sitting in his chariot and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. So let's note several things about this. So first, the person God could be calling you to evangelize may be a person of great power, authority, or even a person that kind of intimidates you. Think about what Philip was being called to do here. You know, when I hear the word eunuch, I, I kind of think about a demoralized, downtrodden type of person just because it says they're a eunuch. But that's not the way the text, that's not the picture that the text draws of the Ethiopian because that wasn't the reality of the Ethiopian here. It says he was of great authority under the queen of, of that country, of Ethiopia, and it says that he had charge of all her treasure. So what is this comparable to in, in our way of thinking? This is like the treasurer of the United States. This would be like sharing the gospel with Jerome Powell, chair of the Federal Reserve Bank. Right? That's an intimidating person to go up to and to start sharing the gospel with. Well, they obviously know so much more than I do because they're the treasurer of the United States or they're the chair of the Federal Reserve. There um, is a story uh, I heard Elder Lasayer Bradley tell about sharing the gospel with... Uh, the other LBJ, Lyndon B. Johnson. Um, it was at a, a funeral for a well-respected Primitive Baptist minister, I believe, who was um, in the in Congress, and um, Lyndon B. Johnson was there, and Elder Bradley had the opportunity to share the gospel with uh, Elder Bradley. Well, Sayer Bradley had the opportunity to share the gospel with Lyndon B. Johnson. And so, it's an incredible story, but I'm sure that was a little bit intimidating to share it with the President of the United States. I'm, I'm not sure what his uh, LBJ's, I'm not sure if he became a Christian or was a Christian. Um, not sure about that, but nevertheless, the point is, that had to be intimidating. It has to be intimidating to share the gospel with a person who had charge of all of the Queen of Ethiopia's treasure. And so, you know, for us, or it could be a coach who is lost. It could be your boss at work. It could even be God forbid, but could be your, your own parent, right? Or grandparent, aunt, or uncle. person who you see as having authority, but nevertheless is lost. Because if our gospel be hid, it is hid from them that are lost. No matter how high-ranking or in authority they are. So Philip was sharing the gospel with a person who was in great authority. Like the treasurer, basically, 
of Ethiopia. But notice why he had come to Jerusalem. He had come to worship. Worship means feeling or expressions of reverence and adoration for a deity. I think it's so, um, it just kind of stops you in your tracks, the human condition. There's this acute awareness of a need for a higher power despite the fact that he's so powerful, right? He's a man of great authority. He has charge of all that queen's treasure, but he's come to Jerusalem to worship. Why? Because he has a realization. He has a reverence for a higher power. Now, just because the man is worshiping, does not necessarily mean that God is doing a work on his heart. Now, this is all over scripture. We see people worshiping things that aren't God. and We see people worshiping in a way that is not honoring to Jesus Christ. Actually, just the previous chapter in Acts 7 verse 42, it talks about when God gave the nation of Israel over to a reprobate mind and they worshiped uh, in a way that was, that was pagan. Listen to Acts 7 42. Then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven. Then there is, is Israel. As it is written in the book of the prophets, O ye house of Israel, there's Israel, have ye offered to me slain beasts and sacrifices by the space of 40 years in the wilderness. Notice what happened. They were worshiping, but they were worshiping the host of heaven, which is just code for, or it's an expression for idolatry. Uh, pagan gods of other nations for which they were intermingled with other nations. But this eunuch realizes the low state of humanity despite his position of power. He has reverence and adoration for a deity. We know that by the word worship. But it's not the type of worship talked about in Acts 7.42 where it's pagan worship. We know that because look what the worship is is doing. In his expression of worship, he's going to the scriptures. The Bible in his lap, it's Isaiah 53, it's the text he's reading. God says that God is a spirit, or Jesus says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. That's John chapter 4. Well, we know this man is pursuing the truth by this man, obviously, I mean the eunuch, because he's pursuing the scriptures for which the scriptures are the truth. Everything in the scriptures is true and correct and authoritative. And we would expect God, when doing a work on someone's heart, to lead them to the scriptures. Look at Ezekiel uh, chapter 36 verse 26 when talking about regeneration. Ezekiel 36, 26. A new heart also will I give you. I will give that to you, God said. And the new spirit I will put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. Like Acts 36, 26, that's regeneration. That's the new birth. That's a new heart being given to a person by God, their sovereign grace, 
a new spirit being put within him, a new spirit being put within a person. That's sovereign grace. That's regeneration. But now look at Ezekiel 36, 27. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. There's conversion. The person is walking in the statutes of God. They're obeying his word. So this is why we can look at the Ethiopian eunuch and say, God's doing the work, right? He, when putting a new heart in this person, the eunuch, when putting a new spirit in this person, when bringing about worship in this person, the eunuch, what is God doing? He's causing him to walk in his statutes by bringing him to the scriptures, in this case, Isaiah 53. And so because the eunuch is going to Isaiah 53 to worship, because God is causing him to walk in his statutes and keep his judgments and do them, this is, this is telling us that this worship is genuine. This is worship in spirit and in truth because the man is going to the truth of the scriptures, of the statutes, the truth of the commandments of God. And so Philip is like, wow, the, the, man, the Bible's already sitting in this guy's lap. I mean, isn't God great? I mean, I guess you could say jokingly, God's done a lot of the work for him. Well, we know really God does all the work, right? Matthew 16, verse 17 says, uh, here Jesus was talking to uh, Simon Barjona, and he said, Blessed art thou, Simon, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. What was Jesus talking about? Jesus told Simon Barjona, the reason why you understand that I am the Son of God, the reason why you're a Christian and a follower of me, is solely and exclusively because my Father in heaven revealed it to you. He gave you a new spirit. He gave you a new heart. He caused you to walk in my statutes and to keep my commandments and do them. So God is totally sovereign in regeneration. But you know, God is also sovereign in conversion. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, we read, in 2 Thessalonians 2.13, we're bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto, in accordance with this saving purpose, God called you by our gospel. Now, who's the one doing the calling there in conversion? God. He called you by our gospel. It may have been some preacher doing it, some evangelist, maybe like Philip. But who is the person ultimately calling this person by the gospel in conversion? It's God. God, from the beginning, chose you to salvation. God called you by the gospel. God was the one who called the Ethiopian eunuch by the gospel. Philip was just a vessel. So God is totally sovereign in regeneration, and he's totally sovereign in conversion. He's totally sovereign in giving people new hearts, He's totally sovereign in giving people new spirits, and he's totally sovereign in causing people to walk in his statutes and to keep his judgments and do them. And so here, the Ethiopian eunuch is worshiping not the host of heaven, 
not some pagan deity and like for him that's good enough. No, he's worshiping God. He's worshiping the true God. He's worshiping Jesus Christ by the gospel out of Isaiah chapter 53, which uh, is quoted specifically verses 7 and 8. But notice next, so obedience-driven action, Philip goes to the eunuch, the eunuch is already worshiping from the scriptures, but then Philip gets near him and joins him, okay, and this is in Acts 8.29, then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot, so point two, get near and join me. Philip is not, like, keeping his distance. He's not holding this man at arm's length. He's joined, I'm just just pulling these words from the text. He's joining himself to the chariot. And by joining that, he's initiating relationship. He's initiating friendship. He's actually getting up close and personal. And obviously you don't want to freak people out and you want to respect personal space. And in in some societies that looks different than others. Um, In India, personal space was not really valued that much. Um, But it is in America, more so. But nevertheless, relationship, friendship, getting engaged with people. This is not Bible, but it's... I think it's backed up by the Bible. No one's going to care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's how it is with the gospel. And until they know that you care about them, I don't know why we would expect people to uh, be successfully evangelized by us. Here, Philip is showing that he cares by getting near the eunuch and joining him. Not by just standing afar off, but actually engaging in relationship. And we notice the Spirit makes a habit of working in this way when calling someone to evangelize. The Spirit makes a habit of opening doors for relationship, for closeness when calling someone to evangelize. Going back to Ezekiel and Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 14, I heard my granddad preach a sermon on this that was really good one time. Ezekiel 3.14, then the Spirit lifted me up, me there is Ezekiel, I'm reading from Ezekiel 3.14, and he took me, Ezekiel, away, and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit. But the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. God's like God's the one doing the work, right? Ezekiel's just bitter and just you know being a bad person, but he was heated but the hand of the Lord was strong upon him. Isn't it wonderful that God uses us despite our frailties and imperfections? But then look, look at this. It's really verse 13 of Ezekiel 3 that I want. So when, when the hand of the Lord was strong upon Ezekiel, where is the hand of the Lord taking him? He's taking him to those that are in captivity at Tel Abib, those that dwell by the river Kibar. So, so, or Chibar, I don't know. Um, Ezekiel is being taken to the people. He's going to the people at Tel Aviv that are in captivity. And look what he does. Acts 3, Ezekiel 3.15. I sat where they sat. And I remained there astonished among them seven days. He sat where they sat. He viewed things from their perspective. He was astonished. Like he's just 
relating to them and he's seeing what they're going through and he's not minimizing the pain and difficulty that they're facing he's astonished like i'm sorry this has happened to you he's getting near and he's joining ezekiel is getting near and he's joining people at tel aviv and he's sitting where they are where they sat so application there are people right now in our communities who are in captivity by the prince of the power of the air ephesians 2 2 they are taken captive by the devil at his will second timothy 2 26 jesus looked at these type of people and he had compassion matthew 936 but when Jesus saw the multitudes he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad and as sheep not having a shepherd Jesus sat where they sat he went near these people he joined himself to them and that's how Jesus the ultimate evangelist went about his way and what we're not saying is you engage in the same sense as lost people or or in some twisted way like be like them so that you can evangelize them. You know, we're not saying surround yourself by these people as the people that you run home to and engage in community with on a regular basis. No, I mean, you, the, where you come to get refilled and replenished is the body of Christ, right? It's, it's, your, it's your Christian brothers and sisters that refill you up so that you are able to go out and are filled so that you can go out and get near and join with lost people and evangelize them. So we come home to the body of Christ. But we go out, we join, we engage in relationship and friendship with the people who are lost so that we can better evangelize. Because why would we expect people to care how much we know? Do they know how much we care? And so that requires getting near and joining, which is what Philip did. He, he got near and joined himself to the chariot where the eunuch was he engaged in relationship with him and that was the second kind of phase we see in in philip evangelizing at first it was obedience driven action changing his plans going to the desert desert but then it was getting near and joining the eunuch and he sat the um philip sat where the eunuch sat and course you know when it comes to getting near and joining people the case becomes different if someone is knowingly rejecting christ you've tried to share with them like what um, the the bible says that that person that you go into their house and you try to evangelize try to talk about your faith and they reject it uh, neither bid them godspeed nor have them into your house i mean so it becomes different when someone's just over and over again rejecting christ and not being receptive because we know the Holy Spirit must open their heart. Remember the truth and the the comforting, reassuring truth that no man can come unless the Father to sent me draw him. In John chapter 6, around the 44th verse, or um, Matthew 16, we just read, God, or Jesus, who is God, when talking to uh, Simon Bar-Jonah about his own salvation, Simon, it wasn't a man, it wasn't flesh and blood that revealed this to you, but it was my Father, which is in heaven. Or back to when Paul was talking to the church at Thessalonica, it was God that called him by the gospel. I can't do it. A human can't do it without God's sovereign hand in regeneration and conversion. 
so we are taking obedient driven obedient obedience driven action may require going off and changing our plans getting near and joining people in relationship I sat where they sat that's what Ezekiel did getting near and joining and so I want to wrap up there tonight but hope to take this up again another time as we continue to study the Ethiopian eunuch and I hope that what we had tonight was beneficial to you may God bless you